0: Brittany Ross and I play the fiddle.
1: I'm Katherine Flincham and I play the pipe. And together we are Fiddle and Pipe, two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Hi, I'm Brittany Ross. And I'm Katherine Flincham. And
0: welcome to the third episode of Fiddle and Pipe podcast. Yeah, this is the third episode. Look at us. I thought you would say more. (laughs)
1: No. (laughs) My brain is here today. Kind of. I don't know. It's here.
0: In this podcast.
1: I am ready to dive down deep into this chapter.
0: So we are covering chapter four of the inner game of music today. I guess let's just dive right into it. Yeah. Okay. So chapter four is the power of awareness. Um... I'm looking back at my notes, and I'm like, I don't remember reading this, so this will be interesting. (laughs) Not aware. You're not
1: aware today, Brittany.
0: (laughs) I'm really not. I'm really struggling. So the intro is basically just saying that we are our own best teacher in the regard of applying awareness, learning awareness. Um, The whole concept of awareness is pretty Mm self-explanatory. It's basically just you being more in tune to what you're doing. I basically just, that's the whole chapter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what I put down was that it kind of helps us figure out problem spots.
0: Yes. So he gets into inner and outer distractions. Um, Inner distractions, so these are things that would um, impair your ability to be aware. Um, Inner distractions are inner commentary on things like for example about the quality of your playing if we're looking at it exclusively in a music contest or context sorry outer distractions would be like um anything outside the body he uses the example of a uh while you're watching the movie and someone next to you is like oh hey you know that actor was in oh what what movie was that guy in (laughs) (laughs) i mean i guess in a music world it could be like you know if the stage lights are too hot or if your stand partner loses their spot in the music and they're like, hey, hey, where are we? And you're like, not now, I'm playing, buddy.
1: What I kind of took from that was focusing on the music and not letting my inner thoughts take control of how I was playing the music. Because I'm very overcritical about myself, especially, and that's what I've been working on more recently. think um, tended to notice this a little bit yesterday I felt like I was a little bit more distracted maybe it's because I was just talking to you (laughs) later in the day I'm a really distracting person (laughs) so I get it thank you I was also like what am I gonna do for dinner like I just had all these thoughts in my head and I was like no don't let this get in the way like focus on the music concentrate that's what I kind of took out of it in a way yeah
0: Like, focus on what you're doing as you're doing it. The other things can wait.
1: Exactly. And I will say this. When I was reading this, when I was reading this segment... um, Were you
0: not focused on it?
1: Definitely. (laughs) No, I was, like, super concentrated. (laughs) I was, like, okay, tune out everything around (laughs) you. It was just, like, had, like, a microscope, and I was just, like, focused on the text Mm -hmm. and not so much about whatever TV show what he was watching Right. Or who was screaming outside the alleyway area it in the apartment complex. It was you. <laughs> of Brittany, why didn't you just come to my house if you were screaming out there?
0: I just wanted to be one with those say Cicadas, but you don't really have those in the Colorado, I'm sure.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know.
0: Huh. Then he talks about finding a focus for our awareness. The, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um So it was about accepting distractions and choosing to focus attention on elsewhere to increase awareness, again, of music and lessen the amount of frustration towards the distractions. So basically acknowledging that they're there and then moving forward. I did this once in meditation and therapy. Um, Oh. It was really bizarre, but it was like, hey, if, you know, as thoughts come to you, you just kind of acknowledge them and then you just gently release them. So that's kind of what I thought of.
1: Interesting. I don't think I've ever really done that. I feel like I've had moments of meditation where I do get distracted. Yeah. And I feel like it just becomes the center of my focus and it's just like this is not how I wanted to experience this moment.
0: Yeah I don't meditate that much because I feel like my brain's going at 200 miles an hour normally. Uh, Aren't we all? (laughs) Which is actually probably reason to
1: meditate. Yeah.
0: Barry Green says focus needs to be present to develop or sorry focus needs to be in the present to develop concentration and I, I assume that this is to lessen anxiety over future things and you know worries about the future and let go of the past since you can't really control the past or change the past yeah and that's kind of where but you can mind...
1: control the future yeah
0: and that's where our minds tend to go is we tend to get anxious about the future or we tend to fret about the past uh, so just kind of that letting... has been me yeah me too. He says you know where to place your concentration based on... He almost says the five senses. Uh, he says sight, hearing, feelings, and understanding. I really wanted to add taste and smell. <laughs> I can taste the Bach. I mean, you probably could. I mean, what are the, the people who have... Is it extrasensory? The people who can... What, what's Like, apply. They're like, oh, this sound tastes like caramel. Or like, this sound looks like this color. What is that called?
1: Well, I, I know that's what you just mentioned is synesthesia, uh, synesthesia. which is where yes. like, I guess like certain sounds, well, like it, it's, it's like not even sounds.
0: Wrong. It's like basically your senses like you don't interpret your senses independently of each other.
1: Well, like with synesthesia, I think like different tones have different colors. Uh-huh. If I'm correct on this, I, I've never experienced this. I remember we talked about this in one of my composition classes because one of my classmates had stenesthesia. It was really cool because I've never heard that concept before, but I've never heard the taste one Mm -hmm. ever. If anybody else knows what this is called, please let us know. It's
0: a really, really interesting phenomenon so then he basically elaborates on the sight hearing feelings and understanding so being present by paying attention to sight is just using your sight to bring awareness to your body very a lot of these are really self-explanatory he says uh by watching the instrument and your body and adjusting as needed by watching the notes like the actual sheet music can kind of get a big picture and a small picture in the sense of individual notes and phrase structure and you can also get mental imagery if you're playing by memory or if you're playing with the music and just kind of using it as like guide points
1: yeah and I really liked I think I resonated a lot more with the sight section Mm -hmm. just because I've been doing a lot more visualization within the last like not really until I left grad school Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think it's something that has helped me a lot because there's this excerpt by Ravel and it's the Daphnis and Chloe solo and it's just a run and if I remember correctly, it either starts on a G sharp or an A. I need my flute. I can't do it on top of my head. I have my flute right here, but I'm...
0: Do you want to play it?
1: Too much, too much. Too much, (laughs) too much much for a third episode. Um, But this run has tricked me up for many, 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 many years. And then finally, when I got out of grad school and I was practicing for a few auditions that had this excerpt, I remember the way that Ravel writes it, you go from a D to a E sharp. And I don't know, like, why, but sight-wise, that really freaks me out. Instead of, like, depending on what is Mm -hmm. the notes and, like, doing my regular structure of practicing, I literally stood in front of my mirror and I just played each note slowly, watching my fingers, and then kind of built up that muscle memory a little bit. Not only was I looking at my fingers, but I was also visualizing in my head what they looked like on the staff. And it just became easier. So now whenever I look at that run... Or if Mm -hmm. I play that run, I feel so comfortable doing it without looking at my music or looking at the mirror. Like, it's just in my head. And I don't know. It was just like a recent, like, not a recent, but it was like a revelation I had. And I was like, why didn't I ever, like, do this in music school?
0: Yeah. I think being present slash being aware uh, by paying attention to things via sight is, honestly, it's pretty second nature for a lot of us. Um, Yeah. At Kennesaw. (laughs) Uh, most of the practice rooms had mirrors in them so that instilled basically a general awareness of where your body was supposed to be and where like in my case where your fingers supposed to be where your bow was supposed to be what you look like in the perception of others I remember after my first couple months at Kennesaw I actually asked my parents to get like a just a plane of glass to hang on the wall and I still have it and I place my students in front of it all the time
1: I wish I asked my parents for something like that when I was younger. And I never did. And it wasn't until I moved out of my house in my second year of undergrad where I got this mirror that's hanging on my closet door right now. But I bought it because I was like, well, I need a mirror. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never really took advantage of that. I only took advantage of the practice rooms. And I think that's why I liked practicing in the old music building more than I did the virtual rooms that we had. I hated them because one, there were glass doors there and everyone can see you, and I was like, I don't like that. And then two, (laughs) there were no mirrors in there. It was just annoying and I was like, (laughs) I don't like this.
0: There were no mirrors and they were almost too soundproof. They sound like very artificial. It's almost like you're stepping in like a space vacuum chamber.
1: Yeah. So then he
0: has an exercise uh, focusing on sight. So the whole Just of this was to play music and when you're distracted use watching your instrument or the music to bring yourself back. I didn't do this but it's something that I do all the time (laughs) to be completely honest with you. Yeah
1: no I did it yesterday in my practicing. I thought I was way less afraid of the Mendelssohn Italian symphony excerpt that the flutes have than I have in years past and I also didn't have as much difficulty Mm -hmm focusing what's happening and also like looking ahead. When I put myself on this autopilot mode in a way where I'm doing that, I don't feel afraid of the music anymore and I know what's happening. For some reason, I just thought about that when I was Mm -hmm. playing this excerpt. Because the last time I played this excerpt, I was just really tense. I remember I was out of breath. I remember everything was just harsh. But when I approached the excerpt yesterday and I was looking ahead a little bit and more concentrated what was going on in the music, I didn't feel out of breath. I didn't feel like my tongue was too harsh or too dry or just out in the way of my sound. Um, I felt my fingers refined, especially in some of the trouble spots I had when I previously played this excerpt. I was like, wow, I feel really proud of myself.
0: Yeah. One thing I tell my students is to treat it like when you're reading. You know how when you're reading, you're focusing on the word yeah. that you're reading, but you're also kind of subconsciously skimming ahead a little bit, but only by a few words. Mm -hmm. Reading music, I feel, is very similar. Um, Reading ahead is not something that I actively think about, but it is something I take for granted because when I think about it, it's definitely something I notice more. I think it's a really good skill to have under your belt and make sure it doesn't trip you up, like you said. Make sure you're not reading too, too far ahead because then you kind of lose context of what you are
1: doing in that
0: moment. Being present by paying attention to sound. This is probably the number one for musicians.
1: Oh, well, yeah, because we kind of need yeah. to listen.
0: Because this is, yeah, the music is sound-based. Um, I wrote self-explanatory in my notes, but one thing I, I want to say that the book actually didn't cover, how many times have your teachers talked to you about recording yourself?
1: I remember, like, when I was an undergrad and I was playing with an accompanist, she was like, you should record yourself mm-hmm. when you're doing re- art, th- these rehearsals, and you should record yourself when you have your lessons with your teacher. I took that piece of advice. And I remember (laughs) I had this little digital camera (laughs) 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 because that's like the recording device I had. And I remember I just took it and I brought it with me in my lesson. And I was like, is it okay if I record myself? (laughs) And I explained to her why, but it was really helpful because I think that was like the first time I was really playing like a hard piece. And I was sitting there, I was like, I wanna do well. I wanna play well in front of my peers. I wanna do well in my jury. And then after that, I didn't really do much mm-hmm. until I started going to grad school or like preparing for grad school. And I think this was time. auditions. <laughs> yeah. This was after. I, I was planning on going to DU and I had my smartphone and I was getting into Instagram a little bit. Not so much music wise. I was just enjoying Instagram. But when I was playing the Ybert concerto, I just like took small bits in my practice session and I was just recording the bear. And then I would like share it on Instagram mm-hmm. and be like, oh, I'm playing this. It's like a long time ago. But I think ever mm-hmm. since then, I've been recording myself more often. So I don't think that it was like yeah. you have to record yourself. I think it was just something that I wish I took advantage of before all this. And I think I took advantage yeah. of it from just doing something simple like watching my progress. And it's just become something that's more of a routine. And I do that more often in my practice sessions.
0: So recording myself is something that I do a lot. Like you said, it's something I started doing in undergrad. Mm -hmm. -undergrad, Pre-undergrad, my biggest weakness in my fiddle playing was probably intonation. I was in high school a dedicated musician. I would practice. My rhythm was A+. You know, I would like to get top marks because of hard work. But my intonation was always, oh, you're you're just a little flat. Oh, you're just a little sharp. I was definitely one of those people I wasn't really born with a natural sense of pitch. Like, I had to work for everything I got, which is possible, but it's difficult. So recording myself was an eye-opening experience because, especially Mm -hmm. violin, and probably the same flute and other instruments, like, but violin it's literally under your jaw. So the way that the sound waves bounce up to your ear is not the same that it's perceived to other people out in like an audience or out in the room even. Yeah, So exactly. what you perceive as being you know, in tune or sounding a certain way will not convey to others. So just recording in general is just a very eye-opening experience, um, and it's something that you can use to check yourself.
1: Exactly. It's something
0: I tell my students, like, even when they're in middle school, I'm like, record yourself. Or, like, I'll record them, then I'll show them. They're like, okay, you're gonna think you sound bad, but that's okay. That's the whole...
1: Oh, I, I've i done that so many times with my students. And I tell them, too, I'm like, you have a smartphone. Like, you don't have to video record yourself. You can just audio record yeah. it, listen to it after you play. I give them two options. You can either listen to it right after you play, or you can take a second and then listen back mm-hmm. and see how you sound. I know it's cringeworthy to hear yourself because trust me, sometimes when I listen to myself, I'm like, ooh. And I used to feel that way a lot. And that's why I think I like stopped. I think after I did that one piece <laughs> my freshman year, I stopped because I could hear myself and I was like, oh, I sound like crap. I just didn't like it. And I even felt that way when I first started doing more recording stuff on Instagram. I used to be like, oh, I just sound not that great. And I think the more that I've done it over the years... I don't feel as like terrified of yeah oh I sound awful it's just like no I don't sound awful I just here's the spot that's like giving me a hard time let me work on it
0: yeah I don't feel terrified of recording anymore but it definitely it still shocks me how much I miss when I'm playing and then when I listen back to it Mm -hmm. uh even recording the theme song by the way Catherine this beautiful wonderful person wrote our theme song and it's the cutest thing I've ever heard. I was recording it and I was just like, oh yeah, that's that's a good take. And I listened back and I'm like, oh, that C was a little flat. Oh, the other thing was a little flat. I'm like, oh, it's fine. I sent it to Catherine and she's like, you missed a beat in this measure. And I'm like, oh shit. Well, because <laughs> I got to redo the whole thing. Uh, but it, that's, that's a really good example of even like we've been playing for I mean, I've been playing for seventeen years at this point, and you probably have been playing about the same.
1: Uh, almost twenty years. I feel old. Uh. That was a flex. Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we've we've been playing uh, for a million years, and we still record <laughs> ourselves, <laughs> and it's still eye opening.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. I think that's what makes music so awesome. You never stop learning. You never stop learning.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if my finances weren't hit hard by COVID, I would definitely still be taking lessons. I was taking them pre-COVID. It is, I don't know, I feel like for me, it helps me give me a goal. There's someone, obviously, who's Mm -hmm. better than me who has input that I can't come up with by myself. It's also good having a set of ears to run things by and someone who is proficient at your instrument. Exactly. I mean, especially, like, our stages, we're just playing things for fun for the most part and the never-ending list of recital. I mean, not recital, um, audition stuff.
1: I'm like, oh, what recital? Recital, I don't know.
0: <laughs> no, uh, any recitals that we would do now would just be for funsies. The next subject is, uh, being present by paying attention to your feelings. <laughs> um. How do you so feel the- about
1: that, Brittany? <laughs> so this is
0: feeling... mad. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so it's feelings brought about by music and the feelings that are created by the body. So it's twofold. It's the, the feelings that the music generates and the feelings that you naturally feel for mm-hmm. any reason. <clears throat> it's a natural focus for us because humans are um, humans are emotional people. Humans are emotional creatures. That's just what we are. <laughs> it's what we do. And it's easy to use that as a source to draw us out of self one. The exercise focus on feelings, or focusing on feelings, listen to and play music, see what feelings come about, and where do you feel certain registers, like certain octaves or certain instruments. Did you do this exercise?
1: I think I took it a little bit more out of context from my music stand, and I took it more out of context of what I do with my runs, because like when I go running, and I used to do this a long time ago, I used to listen to classical music and run. same
0: because you don't have to change it you're like okay i have a 40 minute symphony like it's
1: for me like i remember i would run a lot more to the scherzo movement of beethoven's symphony number nine um that would get me going because i was it's a scherzo well, nowadays I really don't do that Because I notice when I'm going running I feel a little bit dragged down I don't know why But mm-hmm. I feel this way when I listen to upbeat music With, like, beats that are constantly moving forward Or But whatever is, like, upbeat I feel mm-hmm. more energized And I feel like I can keep going Whereas if I listen to mm-hmm. a sad song Or, like, a lyrical acoustic song I don't feel as motivated to run I notice I slow down a little bit more Or I just start walking I mean, that's kind of how I took the exercise.
0: I didn't even think about it in terms of exercising on Spotify. I have a running mega mix that I started for a 10K that I ran. And I originally set it up for like a 10K length. So it's like maybe an hour's worth of songs. And now I just keep throwing stuff on it. So I think it has like 11 hours of music that I just shuffle through yeah. it's like everything from Eminem to like Lizzo to Foo Fighters to Green Day to the Punch mm-hmm. Brothers it's like there's a huge variety of music on there
1: yeah like I feel like this exercise can pertain to other things that doesn't have to be just your instrument yeah you know mm-hmm.
0: how music basically impacts you Mm-hmm. He talks about how identifying emotional and physical components of feeling helps you ignore self-one. I think we kind of did that by oh my god, my eye is so itchy. Mm-hmm. Being present by paying attention to what you know.
1: What do you know? Nothing. <laughs> it's okay, same here, it's fine. <laughs>
0: with me a lot though so the basic premise is knowing a lot about or the context of pieces or composers and that helps you play it better and it's also applied to stored data from previous exposures of music so if you're like oh one time I heard that piece played that way or hey I heard that I don't know insert some random fact about some composer and then you apply it to music later
1: I mean that's kind of me because like I like learning about the piece yeah. or like the composer I guess it's because like there, I love music history. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun. I don't think I would ever major in it because that's a story that we could talk about later. <laughs> but I love reading about when this piece was written, what was going on in the composer's life, or what was going on during that time. And I think it's just because like my dad is a history buff. Like he kind of just like brought that interest to me mm-hmm. when I approach a piece or an excerpt or whatever is on my stand. I want no more than just what's going on mm-hmm. physically in the music.
0: No, I'm the same way. His exercise focusing on what we know was to read mm-hmm. about the any writing surrounding or first performance of a piece you're playing and see if it changes your understanding. I literally do this all the time. David is, was a history major at Kennesaw, so I have that. I used to want to be a history minor, focusing on like,
1: Mm -hmm. modern
0: European history industrial revolution forward I mean music is not learned in a vacuum it's impacted by everything surrounding it and especially as you get to more a modern area where we are so interconnected with everything and everything is so easily Mm -hmm. accessible and you need to know about literature, you need to know about art, you need to know about history, you need to know about war, you need to know about politics. Like, there's, there's so much you need to know in order to play music well.
1: It kind of reminds me of when I did this master class years ago. And uh, I think her name, her, her name is Joan Sparks, and she uh, owns a music business called Flute Pro Shop over in Delaware. And I remember mm-hmm. Joan did a lecture, and she was asking us questions like, do you know what's going on today with this? Do you know what's going on with this? And I honestly could not answer them. I just remember her telling us, you need to know what's going on in the world around you. than what's just going on in the practice room
0: well that's our whole mo is like music is learned you know only a portion of it is learned inside the practice room i would even venture to say that most of it once you reach a certain point most of it is learned outside the practice room
1: yeah and it's like we have to experience life and we can't do it just inside one room no like sometimes when i'm out when i play certain pieces or excerpts I visualize being outdoors Mm -hmm. and that's why I like being outside I like going on runs because I run next to a trail like a creek that's fun seeing like birds and water and stuff like imagery and that sense really whenever Mm -hmm. I'm playing music that might be related to that that kind of helps me out a little bit there's so much out there that we can take in and absorb and then apply it to our performance
0: I think it even applies to mm-hmm. physics and acoustics, too, because you need to know how sound works and how instruments work in order to better understand them.
1: Yeah, I kind of wish I took physics because I think I did anatomy. Yeah. I, I didn't like take physics I, either. I felt like it would be beneficial I in a way.
0: I don't think I took science my senior year. What happened was I took honors chem. So in high school, I was like a A B A-B student taking mostly like honors and AP classes, I took honors chem, and my first semester, I got a 78, and my second semester, I got a 79. Like, that class destroyed me. Oh, God. So, like, my following year, I just took, like, AP everything and just skipped science. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to be a music major. It's fine. You were allowed to do that? What? In Georgia, I think you only need three sciences in high school.
1: I went to a prison. I I remember I had to take a science. I didn't have an option. (laughs)
0: I took AP Econ and Government, AP Lit, Math, whatever math I was doing.
1: Whatever you, orchestra. Smarty. <laughs> I was
0: just on level. I well, was on level math.
1: <laughs> I mean, I was on on level math too. Like I had honors chem. My it was so Zoom hard. Week, honors chem. It it was it was hard. I remember like I had to pick a class, Same. and instead of choosing physics, I chose anatomy because, and this was it wasn't the choice that I made mm. it was my teacher's choice because he was like what are you thinking about doing when you're in college and I I really had no idea and I told him I was like well I like music I play flute and he was like you should take anatomy because right. you should know what's going on in your body you should know the muscles you should know this but I was like sitting there I'm like how the hell does he know about this stuff honestly if I didn't take his class I yeah. probably wouldn't have taken anatomy and I probably wouldn't have noticed a lot of things in my playing.
0: (laughs) You'd probably be less injury aware.
1: I think I would be less aware of what's going on with my muscles when I play and what parts of my body are Mm -hmm. being utilized when I'm playing. Mm -hmm. I'm also slightly pissed at 2010 Catherine for throwing away all her anatomy notes the summer before she started KSU. I literally threw them away and then my first (laughs) My first lesson with Christina, I swear to God, she started mentioning all these muscles. And I was like, crap. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so pissed, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Anyway, let's keep going. So
0: his next section is on awareness. So awareness allows us to accept, quote, it is what it is without trying to change it. It just creates a perpetual positive feedback loop. I think I mentioned this in the first edition of our second episode (laughs) that we don't have anymore.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, the one that...
0: uh (laughs) Rest in peace. Yeah, the one where my microphone... Or I guess user error really more than anything. But this is kind of a mindset I get at when I'm at like peak moments. Like my graduate recital, my senior recital undergrad, like grad auditions. I'm just kind of like, well, it is what it is. I feel like it could be skewed more positively, but I'm just kind of like, I can't change it now, so... You're very skeptic. Yeah, that's just who I am. (laughs) But I do, I have experienced this before. It's a, it's an interesting phenomenon because it allows you to play almost at a higher level because you're just like, well, I don't care. And it's not, I don't care, but it's just, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't change it at this point. Awareness brings positive change. He talks about simple awareness. The example that he uses is asking a student if they notice that they're playing in tune. I try to do this with my students to make them more situationally aware of what they're doing as opposed to just relying on me to be like, okay, so you were out of tune and your rhythm was wrong. Be like, hey, did you notice in this measure if there was anything weird? Or, hey, what are your thoughts on how you just played?
1: Well, I kind of do that as well in my lessons. And I've been doing this a lot more within the pandemic. I like, I'll make my students like play a run through of a song or an exercise. And then after they do it, I sit there and I'm like, okay, what did you notice here? What tricked Mm -hmm. you up the most? What did you like about this? If you didn't find anything wrong, what are some good things that you noticed from this run through? Was there a note that tricked you up? Where did it trick you up? I think ever since I've been doing that, my students have been more aware of what they've been doing. And I don't know. It's something that I wish I have done Mm -hmm. more in the past. But, I mean, as teachers as well, like, we are constantly learning about how we are teaching our Mm -hmm. students and maybe ourselves as well. And... I kind of take note of that too now when I do run-throughs of things. I'm like, okay, what was something good? And I always write down the good things, but also what is something that I can definitely work on and what is causing the problem? Yeah,
0: I think it really helps put everything in perspective. And yeah. I've always been a big proponent of, you know how when you get older and you're playing and your teachers have more of like a hands-off approach and they're basically trying to teach you how to function without them? Mm-hmm. I do that with my students from the beginning. hmm because I want to instill awareness. Actually, I guess simple awareness and then <laughs> situational awareness. Because I always tell them, I'm like, hey, I'm only with you for 30 minutes a day every week. So, yeah, like, there are 23 and a half other hours in this day that I'm not with you. And there are however many other hours in this week that I'm not with you.
1: You can't hold their hand the entire time. Yeah. You know?
0: So I'm constantly... Like, you
1: kind of, like, have to learn yourself.
0: Yeah. So I I try to, you know, baby step them to be more aware of what they're doing so they can help themselves more. Exactly. Simple awareness gives us tolerance to accept things the way they are. It allows us to notice subtle changes uh, to help us problem solve, and it allows us to see the real problem. And I put in quotations, the problem behind the problem.
1: Oh, yeah. There's always a problem within another. Yeah, (laughs) it's basically,
0: and I feel like this is relevant to every single aspect of life, uh, like if you're feeling a certain way or if mm-hmm. there's something going on, there's a good chance it's not what you think it is or it's part of something bigger.
1: Yeah, and I'm 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 think I'm actually kind of going through that right yeah. now. Yeah.
0: If I'm like, "Hey, I feel anxious today." It could be because of something that happened like last week that I'm not even thinking about. So, I feel like you always need to think about what's your big fire? Like you can't be always putting the little fires out. You got to find the the big fire. Like where's your gas leak?
1: I know for me at least like I tend to stress out about not having enough time. And it's because the deeper problem is I'm putting, I'm literally saying yes to everything or I'm working too much. It's like my job at the coffee shop because I have a tendency to just add more hours into my schedule, not really taking into consideration about other things that are around me. Things like that stress me out and what I'm learning right now is to not do that and to kind of be a little bit kinder to myself and be a little bit more more compassionate conscious. towards yourself <laughs> like I, yeah i can only handle like a certain amount yeah. of hours here at my job that that's something i'm working on right now but that i know i know that at least that's the problem within the problems i say yes to too many things
0: there were a lot of exercises in mm-hmm. this chapter we get to another one called using non-judgmental awareness when playing out of tune Honestly, that's a heckin' mood. (laughs) He has a song called Simple Gifts, and he's like, play it without criticism. And then he's like, if it was out of tune, how was it out of tune? Like, how much was it out of tune?
1: Oh, it was so <laughs> tune. And then he
0: said, "Play it again and be more aware." In air quotes of what awareness tactics were used.
1: I was humming it, and I do not have perfect I pitch. Was also humming but it. like, if I were doing it on a flute, it might be different. But I like went back to like Arl skill. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, this is sight singing all over again in Doctor Wadsworth seven thirty RL skills class." Ha ha ha
0: ha. okay sorry yeah i i also did most of these away from my instrument and i did the same thing where i either kind of mentally went through them or i tried to like hum or sing them Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and let me tell you it was i felt like i had some serious ptsd throwbacks to oral skills (laughs) and he would just put something up and be like hey Brittany, sing this i'm like
1: Or when you had the Otman books. Did you ever have the Otman book?
0: I hate the Otman.
1: I wish I had it. I think I gave it to somebody and they never gave Like, I let them borrow it and they never give it back. It's the yeah. small book, right? You used to call it the Ottoman.
0: I, I still have With
1: it. The Ottomans.
0: <laughs> I just remember long hours. My parents have a have an upright piano. And I lived at home when I went to undergrad. So I literally practice on their piano and just sit there and sing. And my parents had a cat at the time named Skittles, who is a tuxedo cat, but like she was a Russian blue color. So she, was the Russian, she was the Russian blue color in white, um, but she would literally sit by my side while I practiced for hours on the piano doing aural singing stuff. Oh god. I hated it, but it was a nice bonding time with my cat.
1: Did you have the 730 class?
0: No, wasn't the 730 remedial?
1: Yep. And that's what Yeah, me-
0: <laughs> no. I tested out. I actually tested out Arl skills one, and then I got plopped into two, and I was like, what is this?
1: I think when I did my placement test for that, I just didn't give a crap. Well,
0: they were long tests. Oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> and I just remember, like, well, for the theory, I was fine, because I was totally, like, that, to me, was n- normal. But when I was doing RL skills, I just remember being at 7.30 in the morning, and I would be dead asleep. And Dr. Wadsworth asked me questions, and I was just like, look up, and I'm pretty sure I had bags under my eyes. (laughs) And I'm just like, uh, I don't know what tuning is.
0: (laughs) So the class that I couldn't remember that I took when I was a senior was actually AP Music Theory. Oh. So I took that instead of a science. So I actually thought I would exempt out of a music theory, but I didn't. I exempted out of an oral skills.
1: Funny how that works. It's weird. Yeah, it was weird. Anyway. So
0: Barry Green talks more about simple awareness and how it just might be enough, and we get to yet another exercise. <laughs> There's so many freaking exercises. Um, oh. This was just awareness and as an antidote to trying. I just started writing the instructions down in my notes. To be honest, it was play a certain passage fast in tempo, stop laughing at me, and play accurately the first time, and then repeat the passage slower and notice your intonation, which was better. Obviously, the slower one was better. Mm-hmm. He talks about the difference between trying and being aware and playing, and we kind of get to the point that we made, was it in our first episode or our second episode when we talked about being a try-hard?
1: It might have been the second episode.
0: I think it was the second yeah. one. We did the second one twice, so everything everything's Everything's kinda...
1: a blur. <laughs> Sorry, you guys.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. So when you are aware, it increases your feedback loop. So basically, you're taking in more... Uh, sensory details more stimuli Mm -hmm. and it gives your brain more Mm -hmm. to go off of to improve when you're trying it's based in doubt it's running commentary and your self one gets carried away i put quote absorbing your awareness with those criticisms instructions and attempts to control your playing
1: Mm. nice quote
0: his number two point is accepting the problem the way it is i put another quote here accept the problem get to know it and give it permission to be the way it is
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's something I struggle with because sometimes I'm like, no, I have to get this problem fixed now. You know, that's just me. But when I'm like going through something difficult in music, instead of being like, I have to go through this now, now. Wow. Repetition. I'm just kind of like, (laughs) okay, I've gotten to this point. I can only play up to this speed clearly with this piece. Can't take it up to tempo right now. Just like, let's let it sit here today. And let's go back to it mm-hmm. maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. I guess like that's how I kind of took the acceptance.
0: No, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, especially when you are working on an excerpt list. Like mm-hmm. Don Juan is a, a classic excerpt for string players. A horrible excerpt. And it's always played really super fast. <laughs> da 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 da. Da 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 da. <laughs> da 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 da. Yeah, it's it's really fast and I've played games with the metronome that try to increase it by, you know, bringing it down a lot and then speeding it up and speeding it up a lot and bringing it down. And the, the thing that works the best is just bringing it up as much as I can cleanly in a set period, putting it away and getting back to it. I think a more relatable analogy would be like lifting weights. Like if you go to the gym for the first time, you're not going to go in there and pick up Fifty-pound dumbbells. I'm yeah. able to do that. You got to work up to it. You got to start with the five pounds. Make sure you have good form, good technique, mm-hmm. and then work up from there. Like you're not strong enough. You don't have the skill set exactly. to do the fifty-pound dumbbells. You don't have the skill set or the technique to play Don Juan at half note equals whatever tempo it is. It's fast.
1: I think it's 88. I just played it so. <laughs> Not not like the piece, the excerpt, because it's in an it's in a flute excerpt. But yeah. I feel like it's faster. I, it's I don't know.
0: I think it's maybe because my mind is so like terrified of it.
1: Maybe it's okay. Yeah,
0: but uh, <laughs> you need to work up. You need to work up the things. You need to give your body and your mind time to be able to do things properly.
1: I found this to be just from experience. If you keep going at it, like it's gonna get worse. When- it's gonna get worse yeah and then you're not gonna feel great at the end still like it's not gonna be great mm-hmm. and so just kind of like taking it aside and being like okay this is what i can do today this is what i can do right now put it away look at something different do something different get back to it another at another time i think that is something that i'm realizing a lot more now than i did like a few years ago green
0: has a whole section he has a lot of stories too In this chapter and i excluded most of them just because i thought that some of them were filler but i wrote in this one he has a section called shaking the shakes and it was a story about tim presenting at a music educators uh, national conference in texas i think and how he would teach a violist so this violist uh went up and tried playing her thing her piece and her hands were shaking so bad that it was shaking her bow and just her performance was subpar best and she was feeling really crappy about it tim asked her to show her or sorry to show him her hands and she showed her hands to the audience and he was asking questions like which hand is shaking the most you know which finger is shaking the most and as he asked these questions and as she kept showing her hands to the audience the shaking generally subsided and they just stopped shaking and then she was able to play her piece just fine uh, so it's more of like a mind over matter situation mm-hmm. I, I include this because it brings us just right to our next exercise which is accepting the problem it was, next time you're anxious or nervous, notice the symptoms and see if it makes them better. And then, if you're doing this with music specifically, notice the symptoms, uh, give them permission to exist, and then continue playing. And did your symptoms get better? Yeah. I guess I played a wedding gig last weekend, and weddings always make me a little anxious. I've done a million of them, but just each time I'm like, oh my gosh, I can mess up. You know, the best moment of someone's life. So I just get in on my own head, myself one just always firing like crazy
1: oh I just accepted the fact that I already messed (laughs) up a wedding so it's fine so actually
0: the, the last wedding I played like I said was this past weekend and I kind of applied this a little bit I was kind of just like okay like I'm feeling a little anxious but it's okay it's fine like everything's fine and my symptoms did subside I kind of wonder if you're having, like, very severe symptoms of anxiety. Like, if you're having, you know, massive diarrhea. I can't imagine that just noticing that you're having massive diarrhea is going to make it feel better. Probably Probably not. not. Um, But I think this definitely helps with minor symptoms. Um, And maybe, like, big ones to an extent if you can just get your mind over that obstacle. Mm -hmm. Becoming aware of physical obstacles makes it... Or sorry, makes them have less of an impact on your mental focus. And your physical problems tend to disappear when we get sucked into music more. So basically you use music as your distraction. Yeah. He talks about focusing on the middle path. So he used a camera analogy of like focusing a camera lens. But the takeaway Mm -hmm. was uh, when you're dealing with tension or really anything, dynamics, tempo, freezing, etc., um veering to extremes can help you become more aware of a midpoint that works and we can apply this to like the Don Juan excerpt that we were just talking about like I've done things where I play it really slow and then I jump and I play it really fast just to kind of put it in perspective and then I bring it to a mid mid-tier tempo
1: yeah it, I kind of see it as like experimenting with your interpretation how are you going to interpret this mm-hmm. I kind of see it as, like, I can't take recordings too literally. I can't take what other people are doing too literally. I got to see, like, what my limitations are and then take it down to my own. Yeah.
0: So then uh, Green talks about noticing subtle differences. It's pretty self-explanatory, but he uses a story of a pianist with back tension rating his own tension. So I think the general premise was he was at a college or something, right? And this pianist was playing, like, this Rachmaninoff piece or something, And he was like, oh, I can't get past this section. I feel so tense. And then he was like, okay, well, like let's say your tension's at a five now. And the penis was like, okay, yeah, I'm at a five. And then he kept being like, okay, this time I'm at a four and this time I'm I'm at a six. And gradually he was able to get his tension down to like one or zero or something, just because being more aware of his muscles and how they were operating, he was able to loosen the muscles in his back that were tensing him up that were keeping him from playing it properly.
1: And that makes you want to change. Yeah. Like, that makes it, like, how can I make this not feel painful? Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. I used to have bad hand position. Yeah. <laughs> I just got this bad habit when I was doing marching band. Like, my elbows were up facing the side like this. Like,
0: <laughs> perpendicular to the ground or parallel yeah, to the ground. Yeah, be-
1: because when you're playing, you kind of have to do that. Remember I had a lesson with Christina. Again, my freshman year. <clears throat> <laughs> Everything just pertains to my freshman year in college. Anyway. It's a learning curve. Yeah, it was definitely a learning curve. And I just remember one time she was like, you have marching band arms. Oh. And then she made me tighten my arms a little bit more, and I did. And then she made me, like, do where I had, like, everything closed. And then she was like, Mm -hmm. now I want you to, like, raise them up, and I want you to feel your armpits are breathing. (laughs) When I was practicing on my own, and I would feel that I have perpendicular arms, (laughs) I would try to, like, do subtle changes to be like, okay, how can I position myself a little bit better? Yeah. And I would do these extremities a little bit to like find that and then find a little bit more comfortable stance to where my armpits are still breathing and right now they're sweating a little bit, (laughs) but I'm not showing marching band arms, if that makes sense. I think I was just so used to that and it affected how I was playing. And I noticed that when I was more at a more natural stance, I was playing a lot easier, Mm -hmm. a lot more fluidly as well.
0: Green talks, Leslie, about finding the problem behind the problem. Which we talked about. (laughs) Yeah, this is also really self-explanatory. It's just basically awareness will bring your focus into playing, which opens us up to realizing bigger problems. Yeah. Put out your big fires, everyone. (laughs) Having clear goals will focus our awareness, and that was a transition to Chapter 5.
1: Well, I don't know if I have time to talk about Chapter 5, because I got to teach a lesson very, very soon. Oh, yeah,
0: we can do Chapter 5 another time.
1: All right. Sorry, guys.
0: So, chapter five will be our next episode, and we hope y'all will join us. It was lovely doing this, as always.
1: Yes, thank you for listening. And, oh, before we go, I will talk about the Facebook page. Sure. All right, so we have a Facebook page, and it's called the Fiddle and Pipe Forum. Yay. Or Fiddle and Pipe Forum, not the. Anyway, so if you want to join our Facebook page, just a space for us to, like, have conversations and maybe if you guys have any ideas about what we can do for future episodes what you would like to hear i think it'd be a great place for that so
0: yeah yeah we would love to hear from some of our listeners and it should be a rad time for sure thank you for listening and until next time i suppose we will see you next week see you guys i feel like we we still need to figure out how to end this but
1: well if you want to follow me on instagram i'm at catflinchflute I'm at BM Ross Music, and we look forward to
0: hearing from y'all in the Facebook group, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Bye, guys. Deuces.